only source of true delight whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding dying. Uh, today's scripture reading is going to come from Romans chapter 12. It's actually going to start in verse 1. I know the bulletin says 3, but we're starting in verse 1. Uh, you can find that in the blue pew Bible on page 947 on the bottom right hand side. Hear the word of our Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank you that you have constituted us as the body of Jesus Christ, that you have made us to belong to one another. Lord, that we can reflect, as Jesus prayed in John 17, the unity even of the Father and the Son, and that this is your purpose, that we can demonstrate that indeed the Son has come Indeed, he has given himself and been raised from the dead. And our unity and our love that surprises the world can be the testimony that we stand and we are here only because of the great grace of God that has been accomplished through Jesus Christ. Lord, as we even come to this word, we pray for our brother Adrian Scott, who is himself is preaching this morning uh, in Arlington. We pray that you would pour out your blessings upon him, that you would empower him and strengthen him and use your word, Lord, to convict of sin and to convince people of the mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, open up our hearts that we might know Wonderful things from your word, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. I hope you won't be thrown by my use of the computer. 
Um, my, for some reason, the printer in the church just fell off my computer, and so there was no printing this morning, so we'll do this. And if I falter, just bear with me, okay? <laughs> um, we began reading with verse 1 because several weeks ago, uh, it was several weeks ago that we began chapter 1. I'd like to review this a bit to catch us up to where we are. Uh, you, as Paul begins this chapter, the motivation for giving ourselves as a, a, a sacrifices is, as he says, the unlimited mercy and kindness of God. Uh, as we are amazed at his mercy, overwhelmed at his mercy, uh, thrilled and refreshed and relieved and renewed in his mercy, we want to give ourselves away to his will. And as he says, it's the only reasonable worship to put yourself in the hands of this gracious and strong God who has given himself for our sins. What else is there to do, in a sense, Paul says, by saying reasonable worship? And so because of the shorthand is because of God's mercy, give yourself away to God. When in the Old Testament a person made a sacrifice, that sacrifice belonged to God at that point. And so he's saying here, sign yourself over to God. Belong to Him, be owned by Him, be governed by Him because of His great mercies. And as the world is so utterly opposed to giving itself to God, you cannot be conformed to the world at all. So we step out from the world and away from the world and its resistance to God and we give ourselves to the inside-out transformation that takes place through the Word of God and through the worship of God and through the people of God and interacting with the people of God and its ministry. As I gave this illustration in Wanawanto to the street kids, we open up as many tributaries as we can into the river of our lives, tributaries and ways of God's grace getting to us in all the ways that are possible so that we will be supplied with His grace and strength. And the result is, as he says in verse 2, that we will discover and live out God's will for our lives in all areas of our lives. And so basically, we learn what belonging to God is, sacrifice, we learn what belonging to God is and what it means in all our relationships, in all our responsibilities, in all our opportunities. So that's where we've come in chapter 12. And the connection to verse 3 is interesting because here he says, for... By the grace to me, I say to everyone among you. And it means that he's now giving a reason in verse 3 for what he said in verses 1 and 2. So it would read like this. Give yourself as a sacrifice and be transformed because you must not think too highly of yourself, because you must see your connection to the body, and because you must use your gifts in the body. Let me illustrate uh, something maybe a little more familiar. There's this uh, difficult and apparently very effective uh, training video called P90X that some of you actually have used. And boy, can we tell. Uh, (laughs) And uh, what if I said to you, 
You need to do P90X uh, for the next three months, 90 days is what that indicates. So you need to do P90X for three months because at the end of that period, you are going to be applying to the Navy SEALs. So you can see, okay, because of what you're going to be, you must be doing this. That's what Paul is saying actually here. He's saying, by the mercies of God, give yourself up up as a living sacrifice and be transformed because you've been called to be a servant in the body of Christ. You've been called to be, in a sense, a spiritual Navy SEAL in God's body. In order to fulfill your calling as this selfless servant in the church of Christ, you'll need to respond to the unlimited mercies of God. You will need to give yourself up to God. You will need to break from the self-serving idolatry of the world. You will need to be transformed inside out if you're going to fulfill this role to which you've been called. Give yourself to God. Be transformed because you've joined the army of those who are spending themselves lavishly and wildly for God's people. And if you're going to give yourself away to the body of Christ, you can't be thinking any longer that you are your own. You can't be thinking anymore that you will live for yourself as the world does. You must break from that now because you belong to the body So it's right, it's obvious right off the bat that Christianity is not your little private affair disconnected from Christ's body. Your relationship to God has this purpose that you will be a vital contributing part of the body of Christ. Every single one of you. Every one of you. Some of the statistics are that 15% only of the church give and are active in its life. I think, by God's grace, we're doing much better than that. But we want 100%, yeah, 100% of people giving themselves up. If you want a disconnected, all-to-yourself religion between you and God, and I would say that small g, okay, <laughs> Not the real God, because he doesn't deal that way. And you might even say, with your God, because you're going to have to make up that God to start with. But if you want to make up your own religion, then go off somewhere and start it. Hey, you don't even need another person to start it, do you? Just you. You disconnected from anyone else. But see, by God's grace and his mercy, his love for us, he joins us to one another. And that's the whole point of giving yourself as a sacrifice and being transformed so that you will be that vital part of the congregation of Jesus Christ. And isn't it interesting that Paul says here, begins in verse 3, by the grace given to me. I mean, Paul starts off with his own humility. You'd think as an apostle saying, look, I'm an apostle. (laughs) Yeah, listen to me. He starts off broken, uh, humble, If anybody was liable to pride, of course, it would be an apostle, but he talks of grace alone. His present ministry stems from Jesus coming and just blowing him down off the horse or wherever he was, or was walking onto the ground and and changing him. 
It was purely by God's grace. And even as he says in so many places when he talks about this grace given to him, as in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I'm the least of all the apostles and unworthy to be an apostle, and yet I've received this grace. Or in Ephesians 3, when he talks about receiving this grace and the gift of God, he says, I'm the least of all saints. So as as he tells us not to think too highly of ourselves, he's exhibiting that very thing. He says, I don't even deserve to be here. It is only God's grace. But by that grace, I have this gift and this authority to tell you this is what you are in Christ Jesus. And so, as you see in your outline in the bulletin, uh, the first thing we have here is that he says to know yourself, right? And first of all, to know yourself, don't think too highly of yourself, but with sober judgment. Now, it's emphatic when he says everyone among you. It's put up front in the original. So it has this idea, wait a minute, every single one of you, listen to me, don't think too highly of yourself. The indication is every single one of us needs to hear that, especially those of us who think others need to hear it, right? <laughs> oh, I'm glad she's hearing this. You know, that means you need to hear it, right? Don't think too highly of yourself. We all are in danger of this pride. And it's interesting that he had talked about the Jewish pride in chapter 2. And in chapter 11, he talks a lot about Gentile pride and arrogance, And so this is a constant, whether Jew, Gentile, high, low, anyone, this is our problem. And when he says think here, he actually uses it four times. Uh, Think of himself more highly, that's a a component word with that word think, than, than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That has that same little word think in it. So the shorthand is don't think high, think wise or think sober about yourself. And think means the way you view yourself, especially the way you view yourself in respect to the body. So view yourself in this way. And notice, don't think more highly, think with sober judgment, because, verse 4, he talks about membership in the body. So that's what he's talking about here. He's not He's not saying here, uh, don't think too highly of your abilities uh, and then kind of hit you with the left cross and says, but still try to give yourself away anyway. You know, you don't have much to offer, but still offer it to the body. He's talking about our, our selfishness. He's talking about our self-orientation here, especially in regard to the body. So don't think too highly of yourself. That is, don't think that you're the center of everything, the one to be served in the body. And if you're not served and you're not given the attention that you think you deserve, then you're going to be miffed because people haven't served you like you think they should. As Denny says so long ago, to himself, every man is, in a sense, the most important person in the world. It's true. I am, I think more about my good than anybody else. That's why he says, love others as you already love yourself. Because you do, DJ. You do. And if you could match that love for others with the love you already have for yourself, man, you'd be a lover of people. We all think that we're the most important person in the world. And it takes much grace to see what other people are and what we should be to them. 
In fact, the metaphor of thinking too highly about yourself suggests intoxication. Uh, One commentator says, don't be an egoholic, in other words. As Philippians 2 says, consider one another more important than yourself. So this could take so many forms. Don't think that you're not responsible for the other people in the church. Because they're not important enough for you to think about. Don't allow yourself to be unconcerned about them because you're better than them or your concerns are more important than theirs. They're not on the level with you and therefore you're to be served rather than to serve. And see, if we dip in the church life only when and where and if we want, instead of humbly submitting to and participating in what the body is doing, then we're viewing ourselves too highly. I'm too important for these people. I'm too important for this ministry. It doesn't deserve me. Perhaps you're a worship-only person. But you have no real relationships here. Now, we all bear responsibility in that to some degree. But I say this, don't think too highly of yourself by excluding the people of God and saying, I don't need them. It'll be a bother. It will cut into my time. I'll feel responsible. I'll care. I'll have to think about them. I'll probably have to do something for them. I just don't have room in my life. That's thinking too highly of yourself. And it's also thinking too highly of yourself to think that you don't desperately need the ministry of this body for your life being as a believer. You must have the ministry of God's people. And if you're saying that the people of God can't have you, then you're really saying God can't have you. If you're withdrawing from God's people, you're withdrawing from God generally. Now, I know there are particular cases where we really have been hurt. We really have been abused by people who name the name of Christ. So I know those things occur. And, and, uh, and I know sometimes we have to protect ourselves in ways because of real harm done. But I'm talking in general outside of those uh, circumstances. But if we don't give ourselves to His people then we're fundamentally not giving ourselves to God. And so I'd urge you in the first place, call some people, meet with some people, have some people over, attend Sunday school, join a small group, participate in ministry opportunities. It's really hard not to be connected if you really want to be. It really is. Ask the Lord to use you Take responsibility in prayer and dependence upon His grace. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom in knowing how best to contribute and participate. And don't give up because He will plant you in and among His people. He will because that's who you are. That's what He saved you for, is for ministry in His body. Now, some of us could be thinking, hey... My problem is that I think so little of myself, I don't think I have anything to offer the body of Christ. Not this problem of thinking too highly about myself. I I think too little of myself. I'm, I'm insecure. I'm fearful. I don't want to put myself out there. And in a way, God, his, his, Command could seem even paradoxical. Hey, don't think too highly of yourself. You're not what you think you are, but though you're not much, give yourself away anyway. But that's not what he's talking about. It's not about your personal worth. It's about 
our own self-promotion. But I'd say it's also directed to our self-protection as well. We generally don't hold back in fear because we are loving others, but because we're loving and protecting ourselves instead of others. And we're doing that even if it means ignoring others. Outside, yes, of these particular times where safety and protection is truly needed. But if fear governs us, we'll fail to give ourselves in love to others. And many times, as it surely has been in my case, and here I speak from, from terrible personal experience, extreme shyness in my early years. And, and, and as I've told many of you, I actually daydreamed that I would live on a desert island. You know, I did. I had real daydream. That would be the ultimate, is if I could be away from these people I'm so scared of. And thanks be to God, He's changed me in so many ways. But you see, if this fear makes us sometimes feel humble, you know, but if humble, if this humility, so-called, ends up separating us from others, it's really pride and not love. Self-protection so often can just be me first, me first, instead of asking, oh God, in all my weakness and all my fear, how might I be used in the body of Christ? Well, even Jesus, right? Even Jesus, the very Son of God, counted our safety and well-being more important than His own. And it surely meant death for Him. It surely meant death for Him. And yet, He considered our welfare above His own. Well, this is, of course, for all, uh, I'd say... Us leaders especially need it. It is one of the saddest things when pastors and other leaders think they deserve special privileges. They can't be corrected. You have no right to approach me. You have to have, they have to have the attention and yet still claim to be followers of the Christ who humbled himself to die for others. May God deliver us from that. And certainly gifts, instead of being made humble by them and using them for others, gifts tend to flatter our pride. We tend to regard our gifts as individual achievements and they become the the occasion for arrogance. And so often those who are gifted humiliate others less less gifted and the mediocre is despised. And of course, in the world out there, this begins in elementary school the cruelty of children, and it gets notorious in junior high and high school. It should never happen to the church of Jesus Christ. And then as a final part of this uh, not thinking too highly of yourself, it's interesting how he describes the gift in verse 3. Instead of saying, each according to the measure of God's grace, which you expect, that's generally the way in the New Testament he'll describe gifts, It's a measure of God's grace to you. Here instead, he says, the measure of of faith that God has given to you. And so he's describing the gift, but he's describing it in terms of how it must be exercised in total dependence on God. He names the gift faith almost to say that's the only way that your gifts can be used. Independence upon God. Making no claim for yourself. 
realizing like Paul, we are unworthy to be in the body, much less be used in the body, but we do so by faith. And we not only depend upon him, but we even expect that God would use even me. By faith, by faith. And in this faith, we are, of course, putting ourselves in his hands and we're putting ourselves out there for his body, presenting ourselves to him ready to be used by God's grace for the benefit of others. Well, he also then says, know yourself, and in your outline speaks of our union and communion with the body of Christ. In fact, that's that's the way that you view yourself soberly and wisely is to see your connection with the body of Christ, this union that you have. And, of course, he uses the example of the body. And you don't have to think long to think of all the wonderful interaction of the body and the interdependence of the body. You know, one of my favorite far sides is the cows sitting there in their living room and the phone's ringing. And one of them says, there's that phone ringing again. And we sit here without opposable thumbs, you know, (laughs) and, you know, that little thing that we have that we don't think about is how we do everything because we have opposable thumbs. Just tell your neighbor that next time. Uh, he'll think you're crazy. Uh, ever thought the fact that we've got opposable thumbs, um, but just the, the, the way things work together is amazing in the body. Uh, for instance, a uh, little known thing, I know this a little bit about this because it affected my dad in his latter years, but potassium levels in the bloodstream. You know, here's one substance. An electrolyte in the bloodstream is controlled by your GI tract. It's controlled by the cells that have release and take in potassium to help regulate it in the bloodstream. It's controlled by your kidneys. It's controlled by hormones in the body. All of these things are tightly organized to keep the control of potassium because it's so critical to the electrical function of your heart, your muscles, and your nervous system. Everything working together for the good of all. And Paul says, that's what we are right now. That's what we have become, working together, members of one another. And when he says that we are members of one another, he, he, he means that we participate in one another. We have a possession in one another. In a sense, we kind of own each other because God has given us to each other. We have property, as one has said, in one another and in one another's gifts. And that's why our individuality is so important. The diversity of the body enriches each member because you have the benefit of those varied gifts. And, of course, the only thing that will stand in the way of your enjoying these gifts and my enjoying them is our jealousy, our envy, maybe revenge or whatever we have. And that's why humility is required just to have the joy of embracing the rich diversity of the body of Christ. I can't enjoy that if I'm competing against you or if I'm worried that I'm not as important as you or if I think I should be the center of attention when you're using your gift. And I'm robbed of the sweetness and the joy and the satisfaction. Much like if a person was looking at a sunset and said, I wish I could be the sun. 
You know, he can't even look at the sunset because he wants to be the center of attention instead of the sun. Can you imagine that? But that's what we do with each other. That's why character is called for. But just the the church then is your treasure. Every person is your treasure. You think of the the human body. Look what the skin does for the whole body, right? Look what the kidneys do for the whole body. The lungs do for the whole body. This tooth affects every cell in my body. The nourishment of every cell in my body. What's in my head right there. And so we all have been given this relationship to the church. What is yours is mine and what is mine is yours. Your gifts are not for you. They're for us. And there should be this welcoming gratitude, this thankful, humble reception of God's grace given through His people. Because, brothers and sisters, He does. He spreads His grace out to the whole body for the whole body. And if we cut ourselves off from the body, we are cutting ourselves off from the rich grace of God that is provided through His people. And so the Christian faith is essentially this corporate experience. We carry out our Christian life in fellowship with one another. And can you imagine being against each other? Can you imagine me coming in, I've got this splint on my finger, and you say, what happened to your finger? Well, I wasn't looking, okay? I usually try to keep an eye on my hands, but I wasn't looking. My left hand reaches over, just grabs his finger, just broke it. And I couldn't stop it, you know, by the time he did it. I I mean, I know they've been not getting along, but I can't believe he did that. You know, like members fighting each other or scratch on your face. Where'd you get that scratch? It's my left hand again. I just can't stop. I'm not watching it. You know, and and when you bite your tongue, you bite your cheek, you don't do it on purpose as though the teeth are like, man, I'm going to bite down on something today. I'm mad, you know. It's an accident. Unless something's wrong up here, which may be. But, uh, and, and that's the way it should be in the body, that only by accident, you know. I didn't mean to hurt you. I did. Oh, no. Look what I did, you see. That we, that we are longing to do good to each other. We're longing to please and equip and nourish each other because we are connected. We are one body. As one has said, there's... Uh, the connection of the entire body means there's one health and one beauty. See, one health and one beauty in the body. It sure feels like it's warm up here, and I, I see a lot of fans, and I'm sorry. I don't know why it's. Uh, if there's any way to get this cooler, we need to do it for sure, because I'm about 30 minutes away. I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> But it's so important to know your uniqueness. And this is, this is emphasized, isn't it, in this passage? Because he says, we're one body and we're individually members, but we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And that's the emphasis in all the passages about gifts. And I won't take the time to read them, but that's always the emphasis of the differing gifts that we have. And this is just a short list. Every list is different, which tells us that this, just, this is just a representative list. There, there are many gifts, as many gifts as there are people practically in their different permutations and the like. Uh, but this, these are representative at, at least. And so he's describing the way in which God, in his grace, has distributed these different gifts so that he can build unity in the body. And this is interesting. 
Our unity depends on our diversity. Okay? It's not because we're the same that we're unified. Think how terrible that would be just having a big nose or a big eye or a big finger, right? That's nothing. It's the diversity of the body that gives the beauty of its unity and its function. And so we jealous to maintain the diversity of the body. It's not despite its diversity that it's unified. It's because it's diverse that it's unified. That's the beauty of us, that we're different and that we can minister, therefore, to one another. And so, in that sense, he uses the word charismatic or charisma. In that sense, you see, all of us are charismatic. Paul, the charismatic who has gifts, is speaking to charismatics. And he uses the same phrase, the grace given to me, verse 3. And he says in verse 6, the grace given to us, all of us. We have this same grace. No one comes away empty-handed from God. No one can be replaced Each has an authority of usefulness to be recognized by the body. And I love that phrase the commentary Taylor used, the authority of usefulness. God has given that to you. God has equipped you for that. And so it's irresponsible and unbelieving if we say we have nothing. It's a rejection of His grace, a refusal of God's gift, God's goodness. And... Perhaps we're idolizing our safety. Perhaps we just want to do nothing. We want, uh, or maybe we want something important or nothing at all. Uh, but we simply need to say, Oh Lord, first and foremost, I give myself as a sacrifice to you. I no longer conform to the, the world's getting ahead, being the best, being first. Lord, I give myself up to you as a servant to be used in your body however you would use me. That's the fundamental attitude. If we at least begin there, amazing things can happen. And so he says in the end, after you know yourself, spend yourself. Spend yourself. Now, the verb is added in the ESV. Uh, You'll see if you have a New American Standard, it's actually in italics. But it reads like this, verse 4. Uh, we have many members. The members don't have the same function. We're one body in Christ, individually members, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And then it just immediately says, if prophecy in a proportion of faith, if service in our serving. And in a sense, the, the strength of that is Paul just saying, this is what we are. This is what we do. Okay? And the emphasis in all of these gifts is give yourself to what God has called you to do. Give yourself to your gift. Develop yourself. Use yourself. Do it fully, wholeheartedly, as it indicates in several of these. Uh, The one who contributes in generosity. If you lead, do it with zeal. If you do acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. You see? You see the heartfelt, the sincerity, the energy, the joy uh, of the giving. The wholeheartedness of it. And so... Uh, as we're, this grace has been given to us, we're to ex- exercise this grace to the full extent of our powers. It's really God's grace in action to one another. God's grace in action to one another. And so it's as though God is, says, here's your calling. Here, take this and hand it out. 
You know, as though the teacher comes up and says, I want you to hand these pencils out to everybody. And you're not going to sit there and say, uh, Darwin, did you get the pen? Yes, ma'am. Did you hand them out? No, I think I'm just going to keep them. You know, just crazy, right? Uh, Darwin, nobody. Well, that's what we do, you see, if we're not spinning ourselves for uh, the, the, the church. Uh, in Master and Commander, there was this moment where Dr. Stephen uh, Mascherin, uh, ex- he, he, he committed, he did surgery on himself, which is pretty gruesome, actually. But why is a doctor there? Generally, he's there for everybody else. And in that sense, you see, each one of you is kind of a doctor of mercy. Each one of you is a minister of mercy, a minister of grace in the body of Christ here to help bring healing and nourishment and encouragement and comfort to the body of Christ. The Spirit is the one who takes hold of you and takes hold of your gifts to use you. Now, there are several things we could say about these gifts in particular. I may uh, mention them the next time to give a little bit of a distinction in these. But the point is that uh, you have a place of amazing dignity in the church and house of God, which we read in Ephesians 2, God is building for a dwelling for himself forever. It's interesting that when uh, heaven is described, although many uh, people would think that you have to get away from the city to see the glory of God. And you've heard me say this before, that's not a Christian notion, that the glory of God is in the city as well as in the wilderness. And it's interesting, when you hear of heaven in, the, uh, in Revelation, it doesn't say we're all let loose in the wilderness. It says it's a city. It means it's a fellowship. There is connection, there is unity, there is interrelationship, interdependence upon one another. Brothers and sisters, this is training forever, for eternity. This isn't just something that we do for a little while. This is who we are and what we will be forever. And we'll do it there perfectly. This is an anticipation of what you are and will be forever. It has eternal ramifications in your life and my life. And, of course, the only way we can ever do any of this is that we have begun to taste of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross for our sins, that He suffered God's punishment in our place and offers us complete renewal through His resurrection and the filling of His Spirit. I have no hope of being of any use in God's body except that I have been transformed by the forgiveness of Jesus and, and if you haven't participated like you should have, none of us really has done that perfectly, have we? But maybe there needs to be some really big change in your life. Well, confess your sin. Receive the mercy and forgiveness of God. Be renewed and be thankful that God calls you to such a glory, such a dignity in the institution that is, as Jesus calls it, the hope of the world, the light of the world. Because we hold the treasure of Jesus Christ. Oh, may God bless us. Let us pray. Lord, we again praise you that you have taken us to yourself, that you have planted us together 
one, with one another that you have made us members and participants with one another, that we have communion with you and we have communion with each other. Lord, that all of these people are gifts to me, that they are gifts to each other. Lord, enable us to take further and further steps to to grow, each one of us, in in understanding and in wisdom. And Lord, help us as leadership to, to know more and more how to provide opportunities for the gifts that people have. There's so much responsibility on our shoulders, Lord. Give us grace that by your mercy and your wisdom and your spirit in the months and years to come, every person in this body can be used in a vital way in the ministry of this church. We rest in you to do what we cannot do ourselves, O Lord. It is beyond us. But you have promised that you will build your church and work in us all together to will and to do for your good pleasure. O Lord, do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. my fears away won't you chase my fears away